When you have the opportunity to study food in Sicily, you just have to do it. We'll talk to Maddie Hayes, a great friend of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum, about her recent studies in Sicily. It's on Tip of the Tongue. Tip of the Tongue, a podcast on the Nitty Grits Network, where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums. This is Liz Williams. We're here today with my friend, Maddie Hayes. She's a graduate of Tulane University and with an MA from King's College, London. She's recently uh, returned from a stay at Anatascalanza Cooking School in Valladomo, Sicily. Welcome, Maddie. I'm so excited to be here. It's surreal. (laughs) It's very surreal because, I mean, for weeks, when I started, you were on your, like, 10th episode. Oh, really? It was that early? Okay. Yeah, 10th episode. And by the time I left, you were on your... 130 plus, mm-hmm. 120 episodes. Is that not bonkers? That is. That so is. it's crazy to be here sitting in this seat when like every week I was, you know, listening to the people or if they were coming in, I was meeting them and I was uploading it in the whole nine yards. And so it's really fun to be here. And to put on your headphones. <laughs> oh my gosh, of course. I know this is like so professional. Like, like you almost get like a power high being here. You're like, ooh, like, mmm. It is funny. So I am dying to hear about your stay in Sicily and why you decided to go and what it was like and what it was different from what you expected, all of those things. So let's start with why you decided to go. Okay. So, actually, funny enough, I was scrolling on TikTok, as one does, and I came across this girl who, like, quit her job and moved to Scotland to go to pastry school, and I remember thinking, gosh, that's so cool. (laughs) Like, you know what, like, I feel like normal people, like, who does that? And so, it kind of, like, put something back in my brain where you know, after the pandemic, it it started to be, okay, why not me? You know, that's a dream that I've always had. Not and, to be a pastry chef. No, not to, <laughs> I mean, I think it'd be very cool, but not necessarily to go to pastry school, but to do the thing, to go to cooking school, to go to culinary school, to do a program, to fully immerse yourself in food was super enticing for me. And I remember when I was an undergraduate at Tulane, I desperately wanted to study abroad in Italy, but I didn't speak any Italian. <laughs> and so they wouldn't let me. They were like, you speak French, you should go to Paris or Morocco or Senegal. And I was like, I don't really want, I want to go to Italy. <laughs> and so I ended up going to Morocco and it was a lovely, I'm so glad I did it. Um, fabulous experience, but I've always wanted to live and study in Italy. It didn't scratch the itch to go to Morocco. It didn't scratch the Italian itch. Uh Um, My family is Italian, Roman specifically. And I've just, 
always, I've just always wanted to live there and kind of, you know, retrace my, my roots, my ancestry. And I think, honestly, I saw this program on TikTok Again, I know, I know. People are gonna re- <laughs> people are gonna listen to this and be like, "This girl has no life." Like, we're worried about her. But again, I mean, I'm like in between a millennial and a Gen Z, and so I'm a constant scroller. It's disgusting. I should stop. But that's how I found Ana Tuscalanza, and they have an amazing program called Cook the Farm. That's not just cooking school, but also where you are just getting your hands dirty. You are learning about food systems and food landscapes. And it just, it blew me away that people were doing something like that. And I went to their website, which is incredibly beautiful. And I fell in love and it was past the due date. But you know how, kind of I imagine how you felt when you started SoFab. You have that fire in your belly Mm -hmm. where you think to yourself, I can't not do this. I will live the rest of my life feeling incredibly sad that I didn't start this incredible organization or I didn't. And I want to do it now. And I want to do it now. (laughs) Um, And that's kind of how it felt. It felt very kismet. It felt like the right thing to be doing. And so I sent the director a crazy email asking, is there any way, any, is there one spot? Can you add a spot? And she actually, she wrote me back. So kind, Hannah. We love Hannah. She wrote me back and she said, there's one spot. There are four people interviewing for it. If you don't mind filling out the application and we like your questions, we are happy to consider you. So I fill out the application and they're asking hard-hitting questions. Like, how do you handle adversity? How does anyone handle adversity? Not well. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some people are frustrated criers. Some people get angry. It's like, how do, how do I handle adversity? Hmm, I haven't been asked that since I wrote my college essay. All right. <laughs> so I filled out the application. They liked it. And she said, you know, we're happy to interview you. And Hannah and I just had like a love fest on the phone where we essentially just, she was like, I like you. I'm going to pick you. <laughs> I haven't even talked to the other people. And I was like, what? I was like, is that real? It feels like she can't say that. And so that's kind of how it happened. And yeah, in... At the beginning of February, I packed my bags, and we lived in this tiny town with <laughs> with less than four thousand people. Oh yeah, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, um, we lived with four nuns, three of which were over the age of ninety. <gasps> oh wow! I know they were like, oh, and we have a young nun. The young nun was like forty five, fifty. She was fabulous. She was actually very fun. The other ones like spoke no English, but you know what? They were party animals. Wow. I know. We would. So the convent was three floors and I lived, I guess I lived on the third floor. And so the nuns lived right below me and they'd have dinner parties and they'd, I'm assuming, have wine. They'd of have, course they had wine. Of course they had it wine. It was Italy. It was Italy. <laughs> and they, you know, they would have people over and it was, it was wild. And because we thought, oh, we're probably being too loud. Uh, and then I would go to bed in my corner of the convent and, and I'd be like, oh, they, they don't care. <laughs> They're not worried about us. Um, so yeah, so I packed my bags. I went to this tiny town, which was incredibly lovely. I can't say enough good things. We, like some people lived with homestays. I lived with probably eight other people in the convent 
every morning I woke up and had breakfast with our, <laughs> with Jurgen. We got him JJ. He is a doctor in his 60s. He's, he loves opera and he's been dying to do this program. And so he took off of work to come and do this. And so he, so he was a student also. He was also a student. Mm-hmm. And he and I had breakfast every morning and just gabbed and he taught me German and it was it was just a really fun group of characters from all over. We had a couple Australians. We had a bunch of people from the United States. We had a gal from Amsterdam. My favorite, oh, my favorite, Scott, former lawyer turned artist from Idaho, and his husband, Ed, who's a former Brazilian soccer player. Whoa. I know. And they were fabulous. They'd actually done a cooking program at Ballymaloo in Ireland, which was, I think, more like three months. So they love doing programs like that. And you really did get a mix of mix of people. But it was it was a really fun group. And we all lived in this tiny town. And there was one bar in the town, which was right under the convent. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and you'd think, like, you'd literally think, oh, the bar is probably terrible. Or it's probably like, I mean, it's not, it's not New York. Right. It's not London. Yeah. It's not New Orleans. It was, the way that I would describe it is... Like going to a bar in Brooklyn where you walk in and you're like, wait, this is, this is really cool. And the bartender would ask you, what do you like? And you're like oh, uh, well, I mean, I guess I like gin and I like citrus and I like kind of bubbly fizzy. And he, he'll be like, I'm going to make you your favorite drink. Which in a town of less than 4,000 people, never would I ever have thought that there would have been a bar where somebody's like, let me make you something that you like that is a craft cocktail. We were all blown away. And was it the best drinks we've ever had? Were they? Yeah. They really were. (laughs) That's that's really great. Okay. So that's how you found it. That's That's, how I found it. In a long-winded answer, that's how I found it. And that's how you lived when you were there. Yes, Yes. Yes. So what was it like actually at school when you were starting? You know, how did it unfold? And how long was it? God, so it was it was a little under two months. I did traveling before and then I did traveling after because when's the next time? Why not? Because (laughs) why not? Um, when's the next time, you know, you're gonna be there for an extended period of time. And I do have to mention I got really lucky because I applied to the program before White Lotus came out. And there has been a huge explosion of Sicily because it's one of the most incredibly beautiful places on earth and that show did such a good job I mean it brought the drama but it did such a good job of depicting all of the beautiful landscapes mm-hmm. maybe not all of it but definitely the Many coastline of them. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. and so people have been coming out of the woodwork to go to Sicily and so we really felt so lucky to have like kind of hit it right before mm-hmm. the summer came around and yeah. everybody's been going there uh-huh um, so I just had to mention that, but so school every day, it's, the school is nestled in, so this town is in the, like smack dab in the middle of Sicily. It's about an hour and a half from both sides. It is really difficult to get there. And the school is nestled in a vineyard. And then, so Tosca, so Anna Tuscalanza, she has since passed her daughter Fabrizia is now running the program, and she is just, just a powerhouse. Like the two of you would be soul sisters. <laughs> like you guys would just like ah oh, feed off each other's energy. So Tosca and Toscalanza is a huge wine brand, 
And so they have like vineyards coming out the hoo-ha. Mm-hmm. They have olive groves. They have orchards. They have gardens. They have almond trees. I mean, we always think like, oh, where does like our almond milk come from? The grocery store. Right. The grocery <laughs> store. But when have you, like, that was the first time I'd ever seen an almond tree and picked an almond off that tree and then made milk with it. Right. And it was so delicious. Mm-hmm. It's not even night and day. Mm-hmm. So it's in this incredibly beautiful part of Sicily and you're in the mountains and the trek to get there. It's, it was people, they were like, yeah, you can walk to school. It was an hour and a half walk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did that once and I was like, oh no, I will not be doing that. But some, some people loved it. Uh-huh. You know, that's great for them. Not for me, but the bus was like 20 minutes because the terrain is so rugged up there. And so we would get dropped off at school every morning at like eight, eight thirty, and we'd stay until four thirty-five. And every week had a different theme. So like pasta and bread week, we, you know, they brought in a woman from Amelia Romana and we rolled our own pasta by hand, which we were all so sore because you have to get it as thin as a newspaper, Uh be able to read a newspaper through it. And that was crazy. And then we did bread week and what? So, like, one morning they were like, okay, we're going to need you up before dawn. And we were like, okay, sure. Um, I guess we're going to find out what we're doing tomorrow. Right. So we were out in our overalls. Like, every day we were, like, in our overalls, in our, like, nasty boots, you know, just, like, ricotta stains all over us. And we got picked up in the bus, and they took us to spend a day with a shepherd. Oh, wow. I know. So they dropped us off with Vincenzo. Vincenzo speaks no English. And they dropped us off, and we got up with him with the son to milk sheep. I know. Wow. Oh, my God. And then we tried the milk. It was so good. And warm. Oh, it was warm. And you're like, and you're looking at all these sheep, and you're like, oh, my God. They they have different faces. They have different personalities. He knows them. He's named them, which for me... Knowing them and naming them, and then obviously you understand the full life cycle. That to me, because at the end of the pro, we had like a butchery week. And yes. mm -hmm. So our day with the shepherd, we milk them. We take them out to pasture. It it was very sound of music. Like we all got one of those like Oh, a crook. Yes, Yes, exactly. And we're like (laughs) taking them out. And then we're like wistfully watching them and like, Vincenzo like lights a cigarette and he's like, (laughs) and we're like, what? He's like, okay, we're kind of done with the morning chores. Let's go have a barbecue. Who wants to drink? Because in Italy, it's like, we're done now. Who wants to drink? And we were like, yeah, sure. Sure. He makes his own wine. He makes his own limoncello. (gasps) Wow. And so by the end of the day, we're all like. Really happy. We're so happy and so (laughs) sunburnt. And at the end of the day, Vincenzo is so happy and so sunburned that he Irish goodbyes from his own property. He gets <laughs> he gets in his own tractor and like waves us goodbye. He's like, ciao, ciao. Like, and he's like, and we're like, wait, is he leaving? What are we doing? And so that day we also got to play with baby sheep. Mm-hmm. And then we got to hold like that he has a bunch of Australian shepherds that kind of, oh, they're so sweet. Because Australian shepherds are supposed to have a job. And once they have a job, then they're like, oh, I'm good. Let's hang out. And they had puppies. 
Oh, wow. We were constantly like holding puppies and little animals and all kinds of stuff. And in Italy, they're like, we don't care. Do whatever you want. So the program was really fun. We did. We traveled from coast to coast. Uh-huh. And we cooked most days. But then other days, you know, we would take a couple day trip and we would go down to the south. And we went to Trapani and Marsala. And, you know, it was just super educational in a fun way yeah. because in all of my classes growing up, like my history classes and my classics classes, you're learning about the Punic Wars. Right. And it's so <laughs> distant. And it's abstract. Oh, it's extremely, you're like, what are they talking about? And then you get there and you understand and you're seeing the city limits at different points uh-huh. in history uh-huh. and the different groups that kind of invaded and conquered and you know, the wars, and you're seeing how that influenced the culture right? Um, on a larger and scale. And the language. <gasps> yes, yeah. the food, yes. and especially the food. Yes, so, of course. <laughs> of course, the food. That's why we're there. I mean, it was more, honestly, it was more like eating school and drinking school than it was like cooking school sometimes, like, which. So did you do cheese? Was there a cheese component? Yes. Yeah, so our first day was cheese component. We go to this other shepherd who was like this very, like, good-looking man, in his 60s, who were, like, all white and, like, these, like, aviator glasses. And we were, like, who is he? (laughs) And we go in there, and he has puppies, too, and sheep, obviously. And he teaches us how to make ricotta from scratch. So we're in there, you know, separating the whey, and we're spooning it in. And it's hot. Oh, it's hot. Yeah. And it's almost like there's... There are different stages which you can, like, get the ricotta, which is then sometimes turned into pecorino or Uh ricotta salata. Mm -hmm. And there was this one that was so incredibly smooth that was almost like in like a ba- like a banya cauda, like a warm bath of its uh-huh, own milk. Uh-huh. Oh my god, it was so good! So we made cheese. We went out to the vineyards and like learned how to prune. Oh, vines. the gra- the grapevines, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And then we like we like drank the wine. We learned how at Tosca they make wine. But then when we went to Tropani. We learned how they turned the specific grapes into marsala. Oh. In marsala. Of course. Of course. Yes. And one of my favorite days was when we went from Tropani to Mozia, which is this tiny little island, which is shared between Tosca and then this, I think it's the Whitaker Foundation. I can't remember off the top of my head. But we took a little boat over, which was majestic. And then we saw the vineyards. And saw where they were growing the grapes. And then we tasted the wine and we were, and the weather was nice and it was truly magical. And one of the biggest, one of my biggest takeaways, other than knowing how to make so many things now, is that food and drink is so influenced by the circumstances that you're experiencing them in and, you know, who you're with and what the weather's like and how you're processing it and creating memories. And, you know, we talked a lot about like, you know, sometimes we would drink a wine and we would be like, this is the best wine I've ever had. Right. And it's like. And you drink it tomorrow. And it could be different. Yeah. A completely different experience because you're in a different place. You're with different people. And. Even if you're eating something different. Oh my gosh. Ab. Absolutely. And on our wine week, we had this very super kooky guy come in and we did natural wines, which, you know, lean a little bit funky. Right. Mm -hmm. And he wanted us to get as crazy as we could get with the descriptions. 
Like he, like if you like tasted it and said, oh, I, I taste, you know, it's a Pinot Noir. And he's like, well, or you wouldn't have been drinking that. But right. you know, you're drinking a red wine, middle of the road, light. And you're like, oh, I, I taste berries and cherries. He would have been like, okay, cut that out. Like, <laughs> we all, we all taste that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? And like coming from like a place where it's like, I know nothing. You're like, okay, like cool. And then he just had us like kind of like blowing our minds thinking about like what does this taste like and like I remember there was a wine where I was like this has like this tastes like old church it tastes like incense it tastes you know and he was like yes go on and and I was like it tastes like Christmas and apples and blah 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 blah. and I could go on and he was like yes keep going and you know there was just that encouragement to think deeply about what you're tasting and what it tastes like to you and what memory it's pulling. Mm-hmm. My friend Kathleen on the program, she is a former lawyer. There were a bunch of former lawyers on the trip. <laughs> I feel like it's a running theme of my life, a former lawyer. And she's a former lawyer turned baker, and now she owns a bagel business in Nashville, which seems to be doing incredibly. And she was so good at coming up with the craziest but spot-on descriptions of wine and she bought this red wine and she goes y'all aren't gonna believe me but this tastes like a blue jolly rancher and by god if it didn't taste like a blue jolly rancher wow i know she was so good at that like we'd look at each other and be like chef boy rd (laughs) we would see like i was like towards the end i mean you're just getting like crazy you're like does this taste like an old boat buoy (laughs) (laughs) and like you know you can kind of have fun with it because wine and food for that matter can be so serious Mm -hmm. and so boring and people are like i'm not tasting that pretentious so pretentious yeah and that's that what that's what makes people feel like they don't want to go into the food industry right, right. or go into the wine industry is because of that pretentiousness. Yes. And so I really liked that like like talk about what you know. Yeah. What's your perspective because somebody's either going to relate to it or it's going to open their mind right. in a different way. And so that was one of the really cool things about the program is other than cooking and exploring and you know, learning about the history, we were also like expanding our experiences and our vocabularies. And it was, it was really cool to say the least. (laughs) So when you were, when it was wrapping up, did you feel like you'd made tons of friends? Oh my God. Never had I been in a group of people because you get 14 different people together from all over the world. And like, you never really know. I mean, we're human. We say things, we do things, and you never really know if people are going to get along. And honestly, it was a testament to the people that worked at Ana Tescalanza that looked at all of us and kind of handpicked us, and the group got along swimmingly. Like I have made like made like fourteen new best friends. Plus, the people that work at Ana Tescalanza are incredible. Like Fran, her family lives in Sardinia. She's from Houston. She's hysterical, loves food. When she went to go live with her family in Sardinia, she be she volunteered with the sheep farmer and was the one like shaving them. And he'd be like, I have to run an errand. And so she'd be the one stirring the ricotta and be like, oh my God, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and she just had the funniest stories. And then Anna, who was our other person on the program, she was Spanish and she would always like, 
give up bits of information about herself at random times. We'd be like, wait, 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 wait. You like worked in Portugal on a, you know, like just random things. So we'd be like, wait, you've done, you've done so much. You don't talk about that enough. And then Kyle and Kiara, they're married. She's a wonderful, magical artist. And he is, um, I think from Seattle originally. And he actually started in the sustainable food program in, at the American Academy in Rome, which was started by Alice Waters. Mm -hmm. And then he ended up running the program. Wow. And he's one of those people that like, when you meet him, he's so lovely and so nice that you're like, when you find out that he has these insane chops, you're like, what in God's name? You're like, wow, you like know what you're doing to the nth degree and have such a passion for sustainability. And like, so that was incredible. And then they had like gardeners like Lucia from like California, but her family's Italian. And I just met the most insane people from all over. And now we're hopefully doing a reunion. Jazz Fest 2020. Jazz Fest 2020. I'm so sorry. 2020. What year is it? <laughs> oh my God. I'm still stuck in 2011. Like what is happening? Jazz Fest 2024. We're hoping to get the band back together. Oh, that's fun. And a couple of the gals are from Australia and well, they're we, like we'll have to do something here at the museum oh my god it's very New Orleans oh my god I bet they would love that because like I taught because we were all like you know coming at things with our own experiences sure. and so it was like I just came from a food museum and nobody else had come from a museum a but a food museum nonetheless and so my perspective was so differently shaped than theirs. And so we should definitely do something like maybe a cooking class, maybe like, you know, even like a little like, you know, get drinks at the bar and like walk around the space. I think that would be really fun. Well, it's making me think that New Orleans, I think, has enough of a food history and a culinary history that mm -hmm. we could do something similar to that. Maybe yeah. not six weeks, but maybe four weeks or three weeks where somebody could come and do that, and it could be sponsored by the museum. Yeah. And so that if you needed a kitchen that was big enough and all of that, it could be here, and that you went out on an oyster boat and you went to see crawfish farms and did all of those sorts of things. I think that could be really fun. That would be a blast. I mean, I felt like when I was over there, I was, like, I feel like New Orleans should have sponsored me. Because I, was, <laughs> I was like, you have to come. And if you haven't been, you need to. And I think you're so right. We have such a unique food culture here because we've had so many different groups immigrate here or mm -hmm. conquer here. You know, I right. got the French, the Spanish, the English. Right. And then you have people coming over from Africa. You have, you know, the like, like people that were living in Canada and then they moved down right. here. And... And you have the Cajun and the Creole culture, and there's so many layers to it. You and have the Filipinos. Oh, my yes. God. First settlement. Yes, Louisiana. Exactly. I mean, right. people don't know that uh -huh. at St. Malo. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. And you're right. Like, I think that would be something that would be really cool, being able to share the culture and, like, take people to one of the OG po'boy shops right and you've just been on a shrimp boat and you caught the shrimp and then you're making it into a po'boy which it's like i mean sure there are other po'boy places around the united states but i think you would be hard pressed to find one that's as good as here because it's from it's here. here yeah <laughs> um <laughs> so i think something like that would be really cool i mean lest we forget 
the Sicilian culture here. Right. And it was so funny seeing. Did you see correlations? Oh, my God. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, you wrote the book on it. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know. But it was so funny seeing from your book and the restaurants here and the culture here that is uniquely Italian and specifically Sicilian to see where their roots came from. That was crazy. I definitely saw through lines. It was it was bananas for sure. Did you did you find in any bakeries that they were selling muffaletta bread? When I saw that, I just freaked out when I was there. You know what? I'm I'm trying to like my brain is like shuffling through a bunch of different memories. So for so sadly, we all got norovirus. Oh, we, <laughs> you know what? You just got to keep on trucking. <laughs> so we went, we did a weekend in Palermo and oh my goodness, we did a food tour through Palermo, through Bolero market with the cheeky chef, Linda, shout out. And she's amazing. And we had the most lovely time. We had like the greatest weekend in Palermo and we caught norovirus and we came back and it was our pasta and bread week. So we are legitimately like we are on our last leg. Like some people are worse for the wear. Some people, it takes another week for them to catch norovirus. It was wild. And we were making bread. And so I missed one of the days that we made bread with this woman that lived in Catania and had her own bakery and is such a powerhouse. And so when we were in Catania, the group of us that didn't get to make bread with her that day went to her shop. I mean, and you... I mean, it was cry. It was crowded, crazy busy. You could smell it walking up the block, and she did make kind of like a like almost like a grainy kind of muffaletta like textured bread, uh-huh. and it was so good. And you can see so many of those like similarities and the like ancestry behind mm-hmm. it. And I mean, she made she made so much good stuff. Like she, and she was like, I am not letting you pay for any of this. Like uh, you are my guest. We love having you here. Try all these things. And by the end we were like, we, like she gave us so much food. We like can't not pay. So we literally like threw euros at her. We're like, don't, don't, don't even try us. <laughs> and then like ran out. Cause we left with like doggy bags full oh, of like wow. this beautiful bread and these like tarts and pastries and just really, Really different than kind of the French stuff. Uh-huh. The French stuff. The beautiful French patisserie that you're so right, used to. Right. Like, it's just a little bit different. Like, we had two pastacarias in town. And one of them, we would go and get almost like something that was like a kolache. Mm-hmm. And we got those for breakfast a lot of morning. They were very delicious. And then the other one had these cookies that would just melt in your mouth. You know what the secret is? It was lard. <laughs> Honestly, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, it's going to be lard. No, it was either margarine or shortening oh. that gives it that melt in the mouth flavor. Because I was like, oh, like it's probably going to be like their fat of choice is olive oil because they are surrounded by right. it. And then you're like, oh, they get lard. They have animals here. There are a lot of farmers. And then you're like, maybe butter. No, margarine, margarine or shortening. That's shortening. so interesting. Yeah. And these were like the be- like the most delicious cookies that I'd never had before. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to recreate them. One of my friends, Mary Elizabeth, who's a personal chef in LA, and like is one of those people that's like always trying to get to the bottom of uh-huh. why something tastes so good, uh-huh. which are my favorite kind of people. So she got her recipe from her host mom that's fully in Italian, like on the back of a piece of paper, like totally crinkled up. And 
I'm going to try to recreate it because they were so darn delicious. And if you wouldn't believe, I have been craving them lately. I've been craving so much of the food that we made because it, it was, was so satisfying. It was so satisfying. And it was literally farm to table. Fabrizia, who's such a hoot, such a great sense of humor. She thought it was arm to table, which is, <laughs> which is so wonderful because that makes so much sense. Like you're picking something right. out of the ground, right. arm to table. And so she had it plastered on a bunch of T-shirts because she loved it so much. It's, are they the cutest t-shirts? And was like, like, if you find an extra one, would you give one to me? Yes. But is it so funny? And like, we all thought it was hysterical. Yeah. But we were out there like picking, we we spent a week planting vegetables at like planting like little radicchios in the ground and picking blood oranges. I mean, I don't, I don't think I'd ever had a blood orange before Sicily. And I had, I had like three or four a day. Uh-huh. They were so good because that's this like the seasonality over there yeah. is so important. Right. And it was artichoke season. So we were eating artichokes. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. In everything. So much fennel. By the end, I was like, if I ever see fennel, <laughs> I might vomit. Like, you know, by the end, because they really are even in like the small town, because what happens is like in the town that we were in, you know, the farmers were like bringing, you know, bringing their wares to town. Right, right. They have a farmer's market every Saturday in town that was create something that probably would have cost me $60, $65 at the Crescent City Farmer's Market cost me five euros. It was shocking. Yeah. but it, and, and it was very delicious. I mean, I'm willing to pay that because I love supporting my local sure, farmers. Sure. And I've made friends with them here. And they're absolutely wonderful people. But there I was like, I'm so sorry. I think I misunderstood you because when I went, I didn't speak any Italian, uh-huh. which, well, I tried to learn, but it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. As an adult sure. learning a new language, yeah. like your brain hurts. Yeah. But by the end, I could like understand what people were saying. My speaking ability, terrible because I don't know the verbs uh-huh. and the verbs do the walking. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, but back to what I was saying about the farmer's market and like the land is they eat so they eat they eat so seasonally that you know you'll you'll have fennel like 10 times a week right so that was crazy until there isn't any (laughs) more until there isn't any more and so towards the tail end of our trip we were kind of wrapping up with you know some of those things and starting to get more summery Uh fruits and vegetables and yeah no it's been it but it's been really interesting kind of to see where people have ended up since and some people have gotten new jobs one of my friend grace she now works at chez panisse oh wow i know i'm so proud of her shout out and then one of my friends um rachel she's moving to paris because she wants to become a chef and she's so brave she was the youngest of us by far and she just had such like a zest and a chutzpah for life and then laura literally she like is trying to start her own sheep farm up in Seattle and, you know, trying to figure out how to rent sheep and stuff like that. And so, and then Waverly, my BFF was like, once is doing like a little bit of like food photography. Now she's got such a good eye. And so I've been watching all of these people that I spent, you know, like almost two months with kind of going in their own directions and taking such inspiration from from all the things we learned and it's so beautiful and it's so exciting and I'm so happy for everybody. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's absolutely wild. I'm trying to think of like what everybody has gone on. 
like to do sense, you know. So <laughs> when you figure out what you're going to do because of it, then we'll talk again. Oh, heck yes. I so, would love that. Thanks so much for being here. <laughs> it's been fun. Oh, my God. It's been the best. I feel like we could gab for years. I and think I think that's after true. this, we could do like a part two. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such a lovely experience. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue, a part of the Nitty Grits Network of the Southern Food and Beverage Museum. Subscribe to this and other food and drink-related podcasts at southernfood.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to keep up with me, Liz Williams, you can subscribe to my Substack newsletter, also called Tip of the Tongue, for more information about this podcast, recipes, and just what is going on. I'm Liz Williams. Thanks for listening.